Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series for 2008. Now here is Pastor Scott Bloyer. Well, good morning. Like I said earlier, I'm Scott. I'm the pastor to students in Ken's Way, so I get to uh, fill in for him. And so I'm excited to be able to do that. We just finished up a series called... Uh, John 3.16, what's that mean? And uh, so we've got like a one-week break in between our next series. Our next series is going to be called charmony.com, and we're going to be talking about church harmony and church relationships and friendships and all that that go along with church. And no, you don't have to fill out anything online, and we won't tell you who your mate is or anything like that. It's a joke. It's okay. Lighten up. All right? Jeez. You're like, we're church. Can we joke in church? I don't know. Okay. This morning, so what I did is I chose to kind of jump off track and do something a little bit different. We're going to be talking about worship. And I want you to understand that I think most people don't understand worship. In fact, worship is not what you think it is. Okay? Worship is not just showing up at church and singing songs and listening to a band, whatever. Okay? That's not what it is. In fact, most people think that's what it is, but it's really not. There's more to it. Now, if you've come this morning and you're like, okay, this is my first time at church and you're talking about worship and I don't get it, well, what I want to do is be able to explain it to you so that when other church people start to explain something to you about worship, you go, no, that's not what Scott said, okay? And you can tell them, Jesus loves you, but be quiet. So um, I'm just, that would be funny though, wouldn't it? Okay, Um, but worship is more than singing songs. Worship is more than standing up and sitting down. See, when I grew up, we called it Baptist aerobics. It's more than that, all right? Uh, I grew up in a very conservative church, and we knew when the the worship pastor was going to say, stand up. We knew when he was going to say, pray. We knew when he was going to say, kneel down, stand up, Jesus, fight, fight, fight. Okay, I knew all those things, all right? Um, Now, in one book, they actually called it Spiritual Simon Says. That's what worship services are, okay? It's more than that. We've got to get past that idea. It's more than the music. It's more than what we wear. It's more than you sitting in the right chair in church. And if someone's sitting in your chair, you're giving them a dirty look because they're in your chair. Okay, it's more than that, right? I grew up in a church. We knew that our pew, that we, not chairs, we had pews. You know, you sat in the pew. and Ours was the third or second one from the back because my mom didn't want us to walk in front of people because she knew we'd embarrass her. And so that's why we sat in the back. Three boys walking in and like, what's that? You know, my dad was the lead one causing problems. I can say that now. I'm an adult. My dad, I'll tell you a little secret. My dad used to take his keys and put, hold them in his hand. And as my mom was going up the stairs to go into, <laughs> this is horrible, the balcony, he'd poke her with his keys. She's like, stop it. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's one of the boys, you know. And my dad, uh, so that's the kind of family I lived in. So we sat, you got to understand, that's why we sat in the back row. And my mom's like, I don't want anyone to know these are mine. So, and we knew that we sat back there because we used to leave notes to ourselves in the pews. It was like, mess with Dave next service. So we put it in the, you know, we go and sit in the pew. It's like, hey, it's our pew. Look, note to myself, Dave. All right, I'm going to mess with him, right? We didn't have ushers. We had hushers, right? It was one of those guys that if you said, he, he, they never, you know, were really ushers and people in chair. It was like more of the time they stood in the back and went, shh. Jesus, shh. <laughs> Okay, can't do that, you know? We used to joke about it. We'd stand in, the, we'd stand in our pew and watch as the, as the ushers would watch. If someone was, like, going to raise their hand to worship God, they'd be like, oh, Dave is about to raise his hand to praise Jesus. Someone jump on him, you know? <laughs> All of a sudden, you're hearing about, no, no, he's just brushing his nose. Back away, back away, you know? 
But that was the kind of church I grew up in. And so being a, in, in an adult now, I have to really rethink, how do I worship? What does it mean to worship? And so I really walked through the Bible and I looked at it. And so with the concept of what we have as worship as a half an hour on Sunday morning, we've got to know that we are thinking too small. We're being simple-minded. And so if we just looked at a half an hour worth of worship, then that would mean we only worship 26 hours a year. Well, wait a minute. I, I'm sorry. For those of you that come on Christmas and Easter as well, we'll throw 27 hours a year. Okay, so we got 27 hours a year we worship. So if, that, if that's our concept about just worshiping on Sunday morning, half hour, 27 hours a year, if for us guys we worshiped only that 27 hours a year and we lived to be 72, that means we only worship 1,944 hours in our lifetime. That means women, if you live to be 75, which is the average lifespan, you would then equal 2,025 hours of year of worship in a lifetime. You know, I read in the book, The Disconnected Generation by Josh McDowell. He said, you know, 98% of teenagers watch 11 hours of TV. Half hour of worship, 11 hours a week TV. Hmm, what's the problem there? We give God our leftovers. We give him the little bits. We just think small. And you know what's amazing is Jesus talked to a bunch of religious people and they had the same conversation. 2,000 years ago, Jesus had the same conversation with religious people. Okay, notice I say religious people because all the arguments Jesus got into in the Bible were not with people that didn't believe in him. They were, not, they were with religious people. Okay, church people. So Jesus is having this conversation with church people. And he says this, Matthew 15, 1 through 9. says, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to interview Jesus. Why do your disciples disobey our age-old traditions, they demanded. They ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance... God says, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say you don't need to honor your parents by caring for their needs if you give the money to God instead. And so by your own tradition, you nullify the direct commandment of God, you hypocrites. Isaiah was prophesying about you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Their worship is a farce. For they replace God's commands with their own man-made teachings. Jesus is talking to religious people. He says, you're a bunch of hypocrites. Now, those of us that are in here, we know he wasn't talking to us, right? <laughs> Liar. Okay, so we need to understand that Jesus is being very specific about what is worship. See, because what they were saying is, if you follow our traditions of giving your money to the church, instead of taking care of your parents who are now dying in a, in a senior citizen home, for lack of a better picture, right? If you give it to the church, it's much better. See, that's what the religious people were saying. But Jesus is saying, no, this is more than that. In fact, Jesus goes on and he says, I want you to understand that worship is living for an audience of one. Worship is living your life for God, not showing up for a half an hour on Sunday morning. There's a big difference. So what I want you to do is I want you to open up your program. If you should have a program. And there's an insert there that has a bunch of fill in the blanks. We make sure we do that for those of you that have ADD like me or have you know, played football and got hit in the head. It allows you to follow along without drooling too much. And so we want you to be able to follow along with that. And there's a verse at the top. I think this verse encapsulates what we need to look at when it comes to worship totally, all right? So I'm going to have you actually read along with me, all right? 
We're going to throw back and we're going to read together. I know some of you are going, I don't do that. Well, today you do, all right? So we're going to look at this verse at the top of your flyer or your program insert. It says this, Colossians 3.17 in the message version, all right? It says, read this with me. Yeah, I'm not letting you out of it, all right? Read this. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the master, Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. Okay, we got this verse? Let's take a look. Let's, let's put this together when we're talking about worship, all right? We're talking about let every detail in your lives. What are the details in your life? Well, you know what? That's everything. God is not an absentee daddy. He didn't set up the world and walk away and go, hey, <laughs> I'm done. I'm walking away. He wants to know the details. He wants to be involved with the details. He wants to know everything that you're going through. And you know what? That's important for us to understand because sometimes we think, I did my half hour on Sunday morning, but when I go to work on Monday morning, that's mine. Wrong answer. Okay? It's all his. All the details. In fact, Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. He delights in every detail of their lives. He wants to walk through step by step with you. He enjoys being with us. So if we're going to look at the details, this verse goes on and it gives us a couple of pictures. Okay? First thing is this. Let every detail in your lives. Words. He, he stops there in words. Okay? Now, I want you to understand, I'm going to give you some myths about worship and I'm going to give you some truths about worship. First myth is this. Worship is the, sing, the, the words that I sing are the only words that matter in worship. Okay? That's the myth. The words that I sing are the only words that matter in worship. Okay? Wrong. Every word that comes out of our mouth is an act of worship. Now, I know many of you are going, oh, really? Is that true? So like when I'm driving on the highway and I tell someone they're number one, that I have to remember that that's worship? Yeah. Okay? I'll be honest with you. That's why I put no Christian emblems on my vehicles. <laughs> I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Okay? I'm told that I am on, me and the highway are just, it's a beautiful thing. I just, ah, you know? My wife always goes, should you be yelling like that? They can't hear me. She goes, God, can't Dang it. <laughs> right? Everything we say is a worship. Okay? Every word that comes out of our mouth. Think about it. Fathers, the way you talk to your daughter is an act of worship. Husbands, the way you talk to your wife is an act of worship. Moms, the way you talk to your kids. Wives, the way you talk to your husband. You, you understand? Everything we say is an act of worship. Are you glorifying God with your mouth? And that's every word you say. It's not just the songs we sing, because I'll be guaranteeing you this. If we were to stand up here, and if I was allow each one of you to stand up here for a while, while Brian was leading worship, okay, and you looked at the faces of the people that were singing the songs of worship, I guarantee you the words that were being sung would not match up with your face. You understand that? Okay, if you're standing up here and there's a song about joy and grace and mercy and you were looking at your face, you would not see joy, grace, and mercy. Okay? Praise God. Right? If it was just about the words that we sang on Sunday morning, I would be terrified to see what you look like on Monday. 
I mean, we don't come in here and we don't invite people to come to be part of our church so we can make them bored and uh, scared about worshiping with people. Now, I'll be honest with you. That's like if you went to a Raiders game and told them they couldn't dress up. You get stabbed. I'm a Bronco fan. I don't even tell them I'm a Bronco fan. I don't even go there. Know why? I choose life. But it's the same thing at church. Why is it all of a sudden the religious people put stipulations on the people coming to worship? Can I say one word? Hypocrites. We got to think every word we say is worship. Proverbs 18.21 says, Those who love to talk will experience the consequences for the tongue can kill or it can nourish life. Truth about worship, everything we say is worship. Everything I say is an act of worship. I have to think about that. Everything I say is an act of worship. Let's go on. It says, let every detail of your lives, your words and your actions. Okay, so we've looked at words. Let's look at actions. Myth about worship is my actions in the worship service are most important to God. Okay, this is where Jesus was very specific when he spoke to the religious people because he actually told religious people, if you go stand on the corner and you throw your head back and you put your arms out and you are worshiping just for the appearance sake of worship, that's all you get. That's the reward you get. But if you're truly worshiping God, Jesus said, go for it. I want you to understand, if you come to church and you're more worried about what the people are doing around you, you're missing out on worship. If you're more worried about who's standing up, who's raising their hand, what song they sing, you're missing out on worship because actions just in this half hour, hour of us getting together are really a small microcosm of what God wants when it comes to worship. He wants everything, every action. I'll be honest with you. I, I, when I worship, I'm not one that raises my hands. I'm, that's, that's not for me. I just... Uh, maybe I'm still trying to re- you know, work through those things that came from being in a conservative church growing up. You know, I don't want to get bum-rushed because I put my hand up or something like that. You know? But there was a time when I went to a camp and my son was with me. And I was speaking at this camp and we had a great worship time. It was going on. And I'm sitting there and I'm, just, I'm in it and I'm looking around because I love looking at people's faces while they worship. Because to me, the face is a window to the heart. And I can look at people's faces and I can see what's going on. And you got some kids that are like, some of you. <laughs> opening season tomorrow baseball Jesus hurry up you know you know what I'm talking about we had a guy at one of our churches in Missouri he used to he, when we knew the Chiefs were playing when he'd go <clears throat> so, whoa running a little long you know I'm gonna wrap this up you know but I'm at this camp I'm with myself I turn he's about eight years old his head is back arms are out teams are, are stre- tears are just streaming down his face I was like dad I went <clears throat> I was like, whoa, what's going on? I said, what's going on? He goes, I just want to give back to God what he's given to me. It's worship. I watched The Passion of the Christ last week with my kids. If I get a chance to do that, do that. When they're old enough not to, you know, freak out. My 10-year-old looks at me and she's bawling. I looked at her, I said, what's going on? She looks at me and she goes, didn't deserve it. I'm going to be honest with you. If you're in here and you're worried about whether someone's raising their hands or not, shame on you. 
you missed the point. Because we don't know what's going on in someone's heart, in their life. Because worship and actions are about our life. 1 John 3, 18 through 19 says, Dear children, let us stop just saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. It is by our actions that we know we are living in the truth. So we, so we will be confident when we stand before the Lord. Truth about worship is this. All of my actions are worship. All of my actions are worship. Everything we do. Everything we do is an act of worship. How we do it on Sunday morning is inconsequential. Because I guarantee you, if you're here on Sunday morning and you're just worshiping up all over the place and it ain't real, God goes, know what's going on in your heart. Good show. So he goes on. He says, let every detail of our lives, words, actions, and whatever be done in the name of the Master Jesus. Now I want you to understand, the way that this word whatever was put to place is not like the way we use the word whatever right now. You know, like when you look at something, they go, whatever. You know, okay? That's... <laughs> That's not what it is. That's not the whatever when you've had an argument with your husband or wife and they go, just whatever, you know, and they walk away. That is not the whatever we're talking about. The whatever that Jesus used that was in this context was everything that I left out when I said words and actions. It's covering every whatever that we as human beings would think up of later. Because God knows we're people of excuses. Well, you know what, God? You didn't talk about my job. You just said words and actions, so my job doesn't fit in there. You didn't talk about the relationship that I have with my wife and kids, so you know what, God? That wasn't in there. That's why God put in the whatever, because most of us would think of another thing to try to get around. Why? Because we're human. We're stupid. Why do you think Jesus called us his sheep? Ever been around sheep? <laughs> They're not very smart. I got a video of one that keeps trying to go through the chute, so it's going through. The, eventually, it jumps up and tries to jump through the brick wall. <laughs> I always show that one to students because I go, that's you. <laughs> so Jesus calls us his sheep. So here's the whatever. I kind of took the whatever and I encapsulated a couple of things, okay? Myth about worship, work, relationships, and money have nothing to do with worship. That's the myth. Okay, let's look at some scriptures that go along with those. I put, I, I put work and I put relationships and money for a couple of th reasons because we're human beings, we're Americans, and we always talk about money, sex, and power. Okay, now I know many of you automatically went, oh, we're in church, we're talking about money. They want to take our money. That's not what we're talking about. But if you do want to give a slight donation, we're, no, I'm just kidding, okay? <laughs> What we're talking about is this, is what do we do with our money is an act of worship. What we do at work is an act of worship. I want you to understand, those of you that have real jobs, not like me, it's okay, you can, chill. You can laugh, it's all right. What's it, pastor, real job? I love students, they'll go, you have a full-time job, you work at a church? How do you, what do you do? I always tell them, I sit and I pray just for you. All week long. Just kidding. Verse says this, Colossians 3.23, it says, work hard, and cheer work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Your job is an act of worship. How you do your job is an act of worship. You ever thought about that? How you do your job is an act of worship. How, how, do, you, how do you treat people at work? 
I love John 3.27. John replied, God in heaven appoints each person's work. Your job. Some of you are going, God needs to give me another appointment because I don't like my job. Well, maybe if you thought about your job as an act of worship, your job would change. Because I'll be honest with you, I think people, especially if you say you're a Christian or a follower of Christ, those people you work with are going to watch how you live your life. I did roofing in Missouri in August. Don't think God and I didn't have a conversation about that one, right? I'm up there sweating to death. We're doing roofing. I pull out a nail. Boom! I didn't hit the nail that went into the roofing. I put the nail on my finger. And I just hit that nail and my finger end just split like this. And this guy next to me goes, ooh. And of course, I did the biblical thing. Jesus loves me. You know. I went downstairs. I'm praying, Lord, Lord, why? You know, just all these things I'm going through. Two weeks later, the guy that I'm working with walks up and he says, you know what? I was waiting for you to lose it. You didn't. Why? So I got I to I gotta let you know something. The Scott of now is a different Scott than 15 years ago. My life is different. I don't need to do this. He's like, Wow. That's real. I went home and I praised God that I had the spirit upon me to not lose my cool. Because let's be honest, nine times out of ten, I probably would have lost my cool. Because I'm human. But our work, what we do is an act of worship. Our relationships are an act of worship. Husband, loving your wife is an act of worship. Wife, loving your husband is an act of worship. Children, honoring your parents is an act of worship. Think about how we treat each other. I'm going to get real specific. Church members, how we treat church members is an act of worship. I'm going to step away from here and let you understand this, okay? This isn't Jesus speaking. This is Scott speaking. I'm a pastor. I would love being a pastor if I didn't have to deal with Christians, now, many of you are going, hey, that could be easily fixed. We'll fire you, okay? <laughs> That's fine. Why do I say that? Because a lot of Christians with their actions and their words don't really show a Christ-like person. And as we talk this morning, as we have people with us that may have come for the first time, maybe they've never been to church before, I want you to understand, they're not looking at whether or not you held your hands up or what song we sang. They're looking to see if you really believe what you're singing. And it's real. John 13, 34 through 35 says this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. I want you to circle the word, the word prove. The way we care for each other is an act of worship and it proves to the non-believing world, the people outside looking in about Jesus, what we really mean. You know, Jesus is very specific. He refers to the church a lot as his bride. I've been married 16 years. I love my bride. So for me to think about the way that Jesus loves the church, man, that's an amazing act of love. It's an act of worship. Our relationships reflect worship. You know, I struggle because at church, man, a lot of times people are coming to me and they gossip and they talk behind someone's back. 
You want to get me fired up? I mean, more than I am now? And I've had two cups of coffee. Normally, if I've had a vanilla latte, back away. <laughs> but I want you to understand this. Talk beside someone's back. Start the gospel. I love, please, do that with me. Please. I will be so excited to talk to you. You won't be excited when we get done, though. I guarantee you. You know why? Because usually it's a church person's way of doing this kind of relationship act of worship. I want you to know this about so-and-so so you can pray for them. <laughs> Immediately in my body and my soul, God is saying, stop this now. I'll look at you and I'll say, stop, be quiet, don't talk anymore. If you have a problem, go talk to that person. If you come to me again, I'll send you somewhere else because I don't want to hear it. That's biblical. Go talk to the person. Jesus, in fact, said, if you're going to go and worship, you got a problem with your brother, stop right now. Go fix the problem with your brother before you come to me with worship. I know many of you are going, well, half our church would be empty. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Our relationships would be right. And that's an act of worship. Then we go to money. I know many of you are going, oh, here we go. All I have to say is this, Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. It's plain and simple. I don't have to say any more. But I will. A couple <laughs> things this. Idols back in the biblical days were engraven images of animals and things from space and all that. So I want to ask those of you that are driving a Saturn. What do you worship? If you're, you know, living in a nice home, what do you worship? What we spend our money on is a reflection of our worship. As a 16-year-old boy, I had a 1967 Candy Apple Red Boss 302 engine Mustang. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't think I didn't worship that thing? <laughs> Every weekend out there, right, cleaning the car? I wasn't out there cleaning my Bible, was I? No. I didn't, when people showed up, I didn't go, hey, Check out my new NIV. <laughs> no, what did I say? Look at my car, right? I didn't take a girl out on a date and go, do you like my Bible carrier? No. Many of you are going, oh, you're joking. But it's serious. What we spend our money on is what we worship. Think about that. I mean, what is one of the top rated shows in the United States today? American Oh, and don't tell me some of you aren't worshiping your TiVo right now, huh? I got three shows waiting at home. I'm the same way. I'm not pointing fingers. I praise God for satellite and TiVo during football season. I work on Sunday mornings. Broncos are on. Okay, let's go, yeah? I'm not, I want you to understand, this is coming from, I'm not, I'm with you. But God says more than just an hour on Sunday morning is worship. The truth is, the whatever's in my life show acts of worship. It goes on, it says, let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master. Jesus, thanking God and Father every step of the way. You want to know a myth about worship? It's I have to be happy about everything in my life. That's a myth about worship. That's a myth about worship. We don't need to be fake. We don't need to be fake. 
I mean, I love being able to talk to people. You go, hey, how was your week? Oh, that was rough, but God's still in control. I thank God he was there. You know the people that I don't like talking to? Are the ones that go, praise God, everything's wonderful. <laughs> oh, I heard your husband left you. Oh, but it's okay. <laughs> right? But then you have the, the spectrum of the person, too, that you walk up and you go, how's your life? Oh, man, you Scott, right now, life. You know, next day, how's your life? Oh, man, right now. You know, I call those people the life suckers. You ever know? They just suck the life out of you. Walk away going, God, yeah, life is horrible. I don't know what happened. God was good and in control, but after talking to you, I'm going home and hiding in the closet. You know, it's just... It's one of those things. There's got to be that happy medium. And that's why I'm saying it's not about showing up and going, praise God, it's just being a cheerleader. It's about living life, being real. Again, people want to see what's real. Jesus wants to see what's real. He knows what's going on in your heart. So if you show up and are putting on a show, he knows it. Let every detail, be thankful to God. It's not about being happy. Life is not always roses. Our worship should acknowledge God is God even in darkness. Pain, suffering. I'm with you. That's a hard place to be. When my dad left my mom, I really didn't want to be at church. And when you're the pastor, that's kind of hard. And I told people, when I found out my really good friend's mother had like three months to live because of cancer, I wasn't real happy. When I found out my mother-in-law had breast cancer and they weren't sure she was going to live, I wasn't happy, but I was thankful that there's a God that cares. <laughs> there was a lady in our church in Montana. I used to say, how is it? How's your day? How are things going? She'd go, great. I woke up this morning. I checked the obituaries. I wasn't in them. It's a great day. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 28 says this. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship. Deeply reverent before God, for God is not an indifferent bystander. He's not watching the car wreck and just walking away. He cares. He's moved. He wants to be involved. So the truth is, thanking God for life is worship. A monk by the name of Brother Lawrence put it this way. Worship is not about changing what you do, but changing your attitude towards what you do. Worship is giving everything you have, all that you are to God. It is fully surrendering everything in our life to God. That is the truth of worship. That's the truth. In the message version in John 4, 23, it says, but the time is coming and it has fact and come when, you're called, when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way that you live that counts before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. Be yourself. Be yourself. Because what I want you to think about as you watch this clip is that the orchestra of our life sometimes gets in the way of how we play for our audience of one. Check this out.
This evening, you will be grateful for your hearing difficulties because I am going to sing. <laughs> and to those of you who have no hearing problems, my profound apologies. Um, on a personal note, I would like to dedicate this song to my son, Cole. Close your eyes, have no fear, the monster's gone, he's on the run, and your daddy's here. Beautiful, 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 beautiful boy, before you go to sleep, say a little prayer. Every day, in every way, it's getting better and better. Beautiful, 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 beautiful boy. Over the ocean, sailing away. I can hardly wait to see you. Come of age, but I guess we both just have to be patient. Cause it's a long way to go, a hard road to hold. Yes, it's a long way to go, but in the meantime, before you cross the street. Please take my hand Life is what happens to you While you're busy making other plans Beautiful, 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 beautiful boy Beautiful, 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 beautiful if you've never seen that movie, you've got to understand, the son is deaf. The dad is singing to his son. There's hundreds of people in that room, but who's he singing to? His son. It's an audience of one. That's what God's called us to do. See, they had arguments, they had fights right before this place and the dad realized he was doing something wrong so he sang to his son. God wants our undivided attention. It doesn't matter who else is in the room. He's our audience. That's who we're singing to. That's who we're worshiping. Our life should be for the audience of one. So when we come together in our hour of corporate worship, you got to let things go. Focus on God. If, if you're here for the first time and you saw people doing different things you've never seen before, back off and see if they really believe what they're singing. 
Does their life match up with the words of the songs they're singing? Because that's an act of worship for the audience of one. So as we walk away this week, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this question. This is a thought for you this week. Is my life being lived for an audience of one? Am I really living a life of worship? Because worship is something much more than just Sunday morning. Some of you have been followers of Christ for a while. Some of you are new this morning, and some of you are in a place where, you know what, you're kind of on a journey with Jesus. I want you to understand we are so excited that you're here and that that's a place that where you're at. But some of you are in a place where you want to make some type of a decision, so I want to give you that opportunity. But if you're not ready, we're not going to push you, we're not going to coerce you into making some kind of decision, you're not ready. But I pray that you get to that point. It's our prayer that you continue on that journey that walks you closer to who God is and who Jesus Christ is. Because that's the audience we want to sing to. That's where our life is to be lived for. So this morning, I want everybody to close your eyes and bow your head. I want you to know that this morning, God loves and cares for you deeply. And that God wants to have your undivided attention. See, because God created you for a relationship with him, for for worship. But it's our sins, those things that we've done wrong that separate us from God. And you know what? Sins can't be taken away by good deeds. You can't work your way into heaven. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came down on this earth and paid the price for our sins. He died and he rose again. And everyone who trusts in him and him alone can have eternal life. And that life means you'll spend forever and ever in a relationship with God. understand that this is not an absentee daddy he wants to know about the details he wants to be involved so this morning if you want to make that choice I'm going to pray a prayer there's nothing magical about this prayer it's, it's a conversation between your heart and God that's, that's the important part but if you want to pray that prayer for the very first time I want you to do this just say that silently to yourself say God I know I'm a sinner I know I've messed up and if I talked about the details of my life and the actions of the words match up with you. And so right now, I'm putting my trust into Jesus and Jesus alone. Please forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person. I don't want to do life alone. I want you to know that if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, that they say in the Bible that there's a party going on in heaven. And to the head of the table, there's this huge cake, and your name is on it. Because God loves you. Maybe you're struggling this morning. Talk to God about it. Don't be fake. Don't be phony. But give your worship up to him and be thankful that you have a life, that you have an opportunity to be his child. God, we thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I pray that this morning we understand that our worship is our life. But God, as we come together as a family to worship, may our hearts be seeking you. May we focus on you and you alone. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.